Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Go Up, podcast edition. Yeah, where we explore the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We're your hosts. I'm Dean. I'm Kratos. Kratos. Today, we're going to talk about worship. Ooh. Ah. Such a good subject. Mm. A kingdom subject. Yeah. A mysterious subject. Yes, a mysterious oh. subject. <laughs> All right. Worship has been happening for many, many not decades, <laughs> for millennia. Which are many decades. The o- <laughs> In the oldest book of the Bible, Job, mm-hmm. there's a verse that talks about the morning stars singing together before the foundations of the earth were even laid. Wow. So there's a massive worship celebration going on. Worship's been happening for a long time. Yeah, so it's about time we start talking about it. On Let's Go Up? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. If this podcast is encouraging to you, consider hitting like and subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube... Oh, click the notification bell. It's that amazing. It is just that amazing. (laughs) The satisfaction of clicking that little button. Bell. That apparently does something. It It notifies you. It notifies you. Notificates you. It notificates you when a new Let's Go Up podcast comes on. Yeah. And what could be more important than that? Many, many things. Many things. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking water is pretty important. (laughs) Taking care of plants. Taking care of plants. Yeah. Speaking of plants, you work with some blueberries, hey? I do. I work on a blueberry farm. Mm -hmm. I ask because I have one blueberry bush in my yard and I find that kind of challenging to maintain, Mm -hmm. i.e. actually grow blueberries. Okay. I just thought it would do it. And for a couple of years it did it and then it just stopped. And I actually had to talk to the pro, you, about blueberries. It's an interesting time of the year out on the blueberry farm. We just had a bunch of bees there. We had almost 200 hives. Let me ask you this before you go into this blueberry pollinating thing. Do your blueberries already have flowers? Because my plant does not have any flowers. Is this a bad sign? This is a bad sign. (laughs) No, lots of leaves. Looks luscious, lusciously leafy. Not good. But I haven't seen any flowers. You need flowers. <laughs> Each flower produces one blueberry. Okay, well, I guess no I'll, be, flowers. I'll be buying my blueberries this year. You will be. I can tell you a place to go to get them if you like. <laughs> <laughs> Each time a bee hits a flower, the berry grows in size. Yeah, Because of the bee? Because of the bee, yeah. If you have no pollination, the blueberries are really tiny. If a bee hits the flower one or two or three or four or five or six times, each time the berry gets bigger and bigger. Really? Okay, this makes sense because I literally this week was driving down a road and saw all these beehive boxes beside this field. Mm -hmm. It makes a huge difference in the amount of pounds of blueberries that you get. Mm. I thought I learned everything about bees from the bee movie, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, (laughs) It's a good movie, okay? But apparently I didn't because today I just learned something amazing. Bees are fascinating. Is there anything that the human does to help this plant or is it all on the bee? The bees help and the humans help. The cycle of the plant starts in the fall. The plant has to be pruned. If not, the plant makes poor decisions on its own. (laughs) The plant makes poor decisions? Yes. That's what you're going with? (laughs) I'm going with that. Plants in general need help, especially fruiting plants. They need help in order to grow properly. If we don't cut them and prune them and take care of them, they make bad decisions on how to grow. Yeah. And eventually they fruit themselves out and they produce poor quality fruit or no fruit and only leaves. This is deep. This could go, you, you could think? do a lot of analogies on this. Just saying. 
Okay. Leave that there. Or we'll be on a rabbit trail that we'll never get we'll back We'll have from. to change this podcast to the Blueberry Podcast. That's right. Because <laughs> we won't be leaving this topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then in the spring, they start to grow. Then they make good decisions because you've pruned them. Yeah. They flower out. Then you have your bees. Then the flowers drop off and the blueberries start coming. They need fertilizer, mm -hmm. sunshine, water. And before you know it, in another month or two, we'll be harvesting. How many berries do you get off of one plant? Have you ever spent the time just counting? Because on mine, you literally can. One, two, I counted four blueberries this year. Greatest, <laughs> you need to prune your plants. <laughs> I just need my own private gardener, okay? I need you to come sneak into my yard and prune all my plants and then sneak away. <laughs> okay. I can help you with that. Fascinating how plants grow, yeah. how they need us. Yeah. God created them that way. I'm always amazed how they respond though, right? Yeah. They respond to pruning. They respond to care. They also respond to love. And evidently, they also respond to sound. I know they've done some studies on playing music or speaking words to plants yeah. and see how they respond. Mm -hmm. Jesus talked in John 14 about pruning. Mm, yeah. I think about that a lot when I'm pruning plants. Plants are a lot like people in some ways. They need love and care. Yeah. A, and good, a gardener. good loving gardener. Well, it all started in a garden. Jesus was resurrected in a garden. He loves those gardens. Yeah. And he's taking us back to the garden again. Mm, yeah. Our original bliss. Yeah. We need to somehow roll out of this blueberry garden into our... Our topic? Into our topic. That's a good segue, Dean. Good segue. But we were talking about music and playing music to the plants. Maybe that's where we could jump off back into worship. Mm, yes. I wonder if a plant would actually respond to worship, if you were worshiping or the presence of God in a room. A new experiment for you, Dean. This is going to be your summer project. going to take a plant, put it in my worship room, see what happens to it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about worship today. It's mm -hmm. one of my favorite subjects. Mm -hmm. And I know, Cretus, you're a worshiper. You as well. You spent a lot of time in even worship ministry. Yeah. My first memories of singing are in some random church somewhere in the middle of the prairies, mm. standing on a piano bench, belting out this little song. Somebody had a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder, mm. and they recorded it. I think I still have the recording somewhere. Wow. And then my parents, they would travel from place to place and sing. At the beginning of a church service, we'd sing two songs, and they would call it the song service. Mm. So it wasn't really called worship back then. The whole church gathering from beginning to end, that was called the worship service. Oh, yeah. Piano on one side, organ on the other side. That makes sense. In book. Our life is meant to be worship, mm -hmm. not like this moment or this That's event, true. right? Yeah. In Romans 12, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, is our true and proper worship. Not one moment where we're singing a song, yeah. or, you know, <laughs> it's our whole life offered to Him, giving glory to God, regardless of what's happening in our life, mm -hmm. regardless of circumstances or situations, glorifying Him, waking up to shine with our eyes fixed on him, mm -hmm. you know, what do you have today? I find it interesting in that verse that it talks about the will of God. The will of God yeah. is revealed 
as we worship and as we offer ourselves. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, yep. his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much more than singing a song, even if it's to a plant. <laughs> I have a favorite verse here too. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Mm. I was reading that just this past week, and I've read that verse hundreds, maybe thousands of times in my life. It's one of those passages that I have memorized, so I say it often. Yeah. But I've never thought before, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. So what's within me? I never thought of that before. If the kingdom of heaven is within me, if there are really worlds inside of me, if the fullness of God is inside of me. Jesus meant it when he said it. Yeah. Kingdom of God is at hand. It's within you. That's right. There's a lot inside of us (laughs) that can bless the Lord. All that is within me, bless his holy name. That's too big to fit into one Sunday morning. (laughs) Even a Wednesday night, too much. It's got to be all the time. (laughs) Hmm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then down at the end of the same psalm, there's some very kingdom-oriented verses. Mm -hmm. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. That's kingdom talk right there. Wow. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word. Obeying the voice of his word, bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him doing his will. There it's talking about his will again. Bless the Lord, all you works of his in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's so good. It's like no matter where you are or what you're doing, you can bless the Lord. That's right. So blessing the Lord is a kingdom act. Bless the Lord, all you works of his in all places of his dominion. A few weeks ago, we were talking about the domain of the universe and how big that is. All the works of God in all those places. The entire universe blesses the Lord. It all bows before him. This psalm talks about his throne in the heavens, his sovereignty and his dominion, and it talks about doing the will of the king. It reminds me of in Genesis where Abraham takes his son up just out of obedience. And the wording stood out to me this week. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. My son and I will go yonder and worship. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we will come back to you. That is the first place in the Bible that the word worship is mentioned. Wow. Very first place. And it's, he's taking his son up in this act of crazy obedience. The son who he's waited and, you know, this promise, taking him up there for a sacrifice. Sacrifice. And he says, we're going to go up and worship. Yep. Reminds me of, so he's going up this hill with his son and some wood on his back. Who else went up a hill? Mm-hmm. What other son went up a hill with some wood on his back? Yeah. So good, Cretus. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, you're just reading, you just stop there and you're like, wow, we'll go up yonder and worship. That word worship is the Hebrew word shakah, to prostrate in homage to royalty, to bow down mm-hmm. or to do reverence. There's something about that positioning when you see someone bow down. There's a royal slant to worship. This Hebrew word talks about bowing before a royalty, bringing an offering, bringing a sacrifice. That's really what the Hebrew word worship means. There's actually a second Hebrew word translated as worship as well. It's the word avoda. Avoda. That second word talks about our entire life being an offering of worship. 
So the first one is more of an event or a thing yeah. that we do, and the second one is our entire life being an act of worship, mm-hmm. live before God, everything we do, our work, our play, the entire scope of our life. Yeah, worship is truly a gift that's given to us. And as I've thought about worship over the years, the thoughts come to me that it's a way that we can return glory back to God. Mm-hmm. The Father paints everything in His creation with glory, and then all creation worships and returns that glory back to Him. Yeah, like we have this inner need to worship. Yeah. But when we don't know Him, it kind of gets weird. It does. Well, it does get weird. (laughs) Every culture, there's always some form of worship. It's crazy how worship works its way into all different kinds of life. Yeah. I remember when I was dating my husband, this was before he was a believer, he would write me songs and, you know, it sounds really romantic. He'd write me so many songs and love letters and all this stuff. But there was always something that didn't quite sit right with me because it was almost like I knew inside that this was meant to be worship to God. And I didn't even know God. Like I knew about him. I mm-hmm. called myself a Christian, but this is where I was at in my faith. People who said, oh, you know, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that blew me away. It blew me away that people knew those those the four. names of the gospel. Okay. This guy knows the Bible. He actually knows the names of the first four. Like that, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> that was like, wow. So anyways, but even in that baby stage, even then I knew it was like there was something in him that was meant to worship God, but it was getting directed towards a person right. in an unhealthy kind of way. I actually think it's very interesting how a lot of songs that are written out there are directed that way. Have you ever been in a concert where people are directing worship towards a rock mm-hmm. star or a, an entertainer of some kind? Yeah. It feels really awkward to me. Yeah. They all desire to worship something, mm-hmm. but it's just being directed in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch that person on stage yeah. lapping it all up, that's even stranger to me. Mm-hmm. It's very dangerous, actually, to receive worship. People in those positions have everything. I put this in quotations. And yet there's so much brokenness and unhappiness and Mm -hmm. depression. So receiving all this worship, all this glory, all this prosperity outside of God, there's grief attached to it. Mm -hmm. There is a cycle in our universe of glory. Mm. All glory comes from the Father. It all originated from Him and it all has to return back to Him. So I feel like in the human heart, Somehow we all know that we've been painted with glory. And there's this upward draw for that glory to go back to God. It draws itself back. It's like it has this homing device on it. And that thing in our hearts makes us want to worship no matter where we are. Mm -hmm. And if we don't understand who the Father is and where the glory is supposed to go, we direct it in other places. We direct it in wrong places. Yeah, that kind of stops the cycle. Where does he say, we're without excuse, you see me in creation. So look at these laws, like the law of conservation of energy. It yeah. flows and moves, just like water moves in this cycle. Water never disappears. It just changes form. You don't want to know how many creatures that water has already been through in the <laughs> millennia. <laughs> Only you would think of something like that. Only you. Science. God's a scientist, okay? But yeah, so like his glory. So you're saying with energy, let's say our universe has a certain amount of energy in it. It can't be added to or taken away from, mm-hmm. but the energy can change forms. Yeah, there you go. So you just put it Is in. Is that how it works? Yeah. Same thing with the glory of God. Yeah. All glory comes from him. It goes out. It eventually does go back to him somehow. We can choose the easy way and worship him. That's right. Or it has to take 
the long way around. Yeah. <laughs> Get there some other but way. Either way, it's getting there. Either way, it's wow. getting there. It's going back to him. There's also the enemy, Satan, who at one time had a very prominent place in heaven. It even says wow. in Isaiah, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. We've talked so much about ascending here on our pod show. <laughs> on our pod show. It's a good word. The devil wanted to ascend, but he wanted to do it outside of relationship. He wanted to just ascend and be somebody special. Well, and didn't he look down and he saw the radiance of the Father reflecting off him and become proud? Mm-hmm. But it's like God's like, okay, I'm going to make these people in my image. Yeah. Like, I don't think the angels were made in his image. I don't think it says that anywhere. No, it doesn't. But the word says we were made in his image. I'm going to make a people in my image, and I'm going to give them the ability to live one with me, and they won't walk in pride. The devil doesn't believe we can do it, but I think we can walk one with him as his children in holy awe of our Father, mm-hmm. honoring, worshiping, selfless. Returning all that glory that he gives us back to Getting him. Getting all that glory yeah, and not holding on to any of it for ourselves. Yeah, that's very key. Don't touch the glory. Like the ark, hey, wasn't that kind of something? Don't touch this. <laughs> yeah. They tried to open it up one time. Didn't go so well. No, yeah, maybe Look don't. inside. <laughs> In 2 Corinthians 5, I love this. He says, he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Like that, accepting everything that he says we are mm-hmm. and being able to live so free and so transformed and so content glorifying him, returning it all to him. Mm-hmm. There's no better place to be, Dean. No. There's really not. I don't. You can't convince me otherwise. I'm sorry. <laughs> Once you've tasted, you can't go back. You can't. It's like, ah. So hmm. I want to talk about the New Testament. We've talked about the Hebrew words for worship. In the New Testament, those words translate over to Greek. So mm. there's two of them. I'm going to brush up on our Duolingo here. Once again, I'm <laughs> going to try to pronounce these. Roll your R, Dean. I can't roll ours. <laughs> Proscunio, to bring a sacrifice, to bow down, to pay homage and worship. There are other variations of this word, one of them being to kiss. It means virtually the same thing as the Hebrew word, shaka. When the wise men came to Jesus, this is how they worshiped. They brought him a gift, they bowed down, and they worshiped. In fact, they were looking for a king, so they worshiped his majesty. Wow. They knew exactly what this meant, this kingdom act of worship. But then there's a second word as well. This one is a lot easier to say. The second word is latio. Our lifestyle and our service to the Lord is an act of worship. The verse that you read at the beginning of this podcast, offering our lives as a sacrifice of worship. Yeah, Romans 12. That's this word. The entire scope of our life we offer. That's good. So what was that word? Latrio. Latrio. Offering our lives. Why don't you read that verse again? I want to try to insert this definition in there somehow. Okay, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Your lifestyle and your service to the Lord is the act of worship. It encompasses all aspects of our life. Our work, our home life, our play, and everything in between. Our waking, our sleeping. Everything. Everything. The moment you wake up. 24-7 worship. He says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. So not complaining is an act of worship. Have you ever thought of work as an act of worship? 
Well, he does say, whatever you work at, do it as unto the Lord. Yes. You know, we get a lot of pressure on picking the right job and doing what you love to do. And like, I get that. But what if our perspective shifts to whatever I do, wherever I am, can be an act of worship? Mm -hmm. He says, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Don't be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called to the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. Like, I just hear the issue isn't your circumstance. You can worship him regardless of what your circumstance is. It doesn't matter where you are. We can always worship. Look at John, exiled, worshiping. Paul in prison worshiping. I was thinking of something the other day. We make a big deal out of our Western freedom in our democracy, but the Bible never promises us that kind of freedom. It promises us a different kind of freedom, a yeah. freedom of the soul yeah, and a freedom of the heart that no matter where we are, we can worship in the same way. We can glorify yeah. God in the same way. It doesn't matter if we're in a prison, in a communist country, in a democratic country, well, Jesus, he was alive in a pretty tumultuous time. He was alive in one of the most oppressive times of history. Yeah, some pretty intense leaders, a lot of persecution. And even when they'd bring, try to get him involved in it, like, well, we have to pay this temple tax. Yeah. The Romans don't have to pay the temple tax, but we have to pay it. And he's just like, yeah, whose face is on the coin? Caesar? Yeah. To Caesar, what's Caesar? Whose face is on you, right? Mm-hmm. Give to God what's God. Like, if we're in his image... The people tried to suck him into the the worldly circumstances. To a but, cause. To a cause. And he was so heavenly minded, so kingdom minded. He had such a big perspective. Mm-hmm. I was thinking just today about another verse. Glory to God in the highest, mm. in the highest heaven. Glory. Returning glory to him. Yeah. And then on earth, peace and goodwill towards those on whom his favor rests. So we glorify him. And what comes down, peace and goodwill. Yeah, his peace, mm-hmm. his goodwill. Yeah, mm. and his favor rests on us. All that from glorifying the Father. There we go. Is that what you were looking for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. One of my favorite places in the Bible that talks about worship is when Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman. Oh, yes, the woman at the well. Yeah. So there is a tradition about this woman. If you look it up, in church history, they say that her name was Photini. Oh. So do you remember a few weeks ago we were talking about photons and light? Oh, yes. Her name means enlightened one. Okay. Evidently, after she met Jesus, she became so excited about her encounter with him that she turned an entire group of people towards him. And then after he died and was resurrected, there is church history that tells about this woman who eventually evangelized such a large area of the Roman Empire that she became known to the emperor, and she actually died a martyr. It must have been a pretty miraculous encounter she it had was. with him. She had an encounter with Jesus and an encounter with worship. She was very upset that her people, the Samaritan people, didn't get to worship in Jerusalem. They had to go onto a mountain and worship. Yeah, that's right. So she felt inferior. Yeah, like a little bit of um, bad blood. Between the two cultures over worship. Things are get- getting a little awkward at the well. <laughs> You get to worship in Jerusalem. We have to go onto this mountain. Where's the right place? Mm. Jesus set a new standard for worship with his answer to her. 
Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. But the time is coming, indeed is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is a spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The new place for worship in spirit and the new heart attitude for worship in truth. Wow. That must have been quite the um, word back then, especially. Yeah. It changed everything. Even the way that the Jews worshipped was evidently coming to a close. Mm. Jesus announced a new place in spirit. In spirit. Wow. Yeah, I remember during some of the pandemic lockdowns, someone had said, it must be really hard for you not to be able to worship your God, because I heard a lot of the churches are closed. And it was such an opportunity to share with this person how we worship our God Mm -hmm. in spirit. The community that gathers at the church is a beautiful thing. Gathering of people to uplift and edify coming in there with their week's worth of glorifying God and adding to the feast of worship together. Mm -hmm. But every moment of every day, we can worship Him. And this was just so mind-blowing to this person. They'd never heard that before. They thought every religion had to have a place where you worship. You just worship God anywhere and everywhere at any time. As Dr. Seuss says, what is Dr. with Seuss? a fox in a box. <laughs> Good one. Here or there, anywhere. <laughs> exactly. Dr. Seuss, he knew where it was at. Of course, he was talking about eating green eggs and ham, not worshiping. Maybe there was a deeper message there, Dean. I'm sure there was. Only those who have ears to hear will hear the real message behind green eggs and ham. <laughs> worship here, there, anywhere. That's right. Would you worship in a box? Would you worship with a box? Would you worship on a boat? Would you worship with a goat? Would you worship (laughs) when every building's closed? Would you worship when your freedoms are changed? Would you worship if you were persecuted unfairly? Would you worship if everyone misunderstood you, you know, put in a jail cell in isolation? Could you worship? Yes, you can. Pretty amazing things happen when you're with the Father. Don't ever underestimate His glory. Yeah. In spirit is a brand new place, and it offers a lot of freedom. Yeah. In spirit can be taken anywhere. Mm. The word in spirit consists of two words, in and pneuma, which is breath or spirit. And pneuma. Wow. In spirit Mm -hmm. and pneuma. Mm. In the breath of the spirit. Mm. And pneuma, we use that in medical terms a lot, right? In regards to your lungs. So. (sighs) It's in the breath of the spirit. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Yeah. It's a kingdom phrase, in the breath of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. God can be worshipped there. So tell me your thoughts on worship in spirit in the kingdom space. When they asked Jesus where the kingdom of heaven is, he said, it's inside of you. The world of the Spirit is a place we can go. Of course, we've talked about ascending. We've mm-hmm. talked about going to heaven. We've talked about the inner world inside of us. I guess you have to imagine if you wanted to worship a king, Where would you go to find him? Mm. You would want to go to his throne and you would want to bring your worship there and give it to him. So our father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Mm. Our father is in heaven. That's where he is. Mm -hmm. And if heaven is in our heart, if the kingdom of heaven is within us, then where do we have to go to find him? Where do we go to his throne? Where do we go to bring worship to him? Hmm. Not far. Not very far. (laughs) You're right. 
It's at hand. Mm. It's right here. It's in the realm of the spirit. It's in the breath of the spirit. So it can be anywhere in spirit and in truth, a heart attitude of truth. Nothing is hidden. Mm. You can't hide anything from God. He doesn't ask us for anything but honesty, to come to him in spirit and honestly. Those two things. Yeah, we don't have to be ashamed or afraid or there's no condemnation. Believe that and enter worship believing that you're beloved, you're made in his image. Greatest, as you're talking, I'm thinking about what would it be like if every time, let's say your daughter wanted to come and talk to you, she was always thinking about herself and all the bad things that she did. It'd be like something to overcome every time before you could actually reach her. That's right. Which a loving parent would do. Mm -hmm. But... If you cannot enter with that, (laughs) that just removes one time-consuming step, (laughs) and you can just enter right into the glory. So I feel like coming into the presence of the king is a profound thing. And when you think about it, you're before a king. Are you looking at yourself? In the Old Testament, they weren't even allowed to come into the presence of the king with a frown on their face. Mm, Because you're still now focused on yourself, even when Jesus is talking about taking communion. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Mm -hmm. Focus on me. What have I done? That blows my mind. I have never thought of that before. I have a whole week of thoughts to do on that now. How did you just do that to me? With worship. When we're before the king, he's the king. He's kind of a big deal. (laughs) He is kind of a big deal. I've worked in worship ministry all my life. And when we come to a gathering, let's say on a Sunday morning, oftentimes we will spend the first 10, 15, or even 20 minutes trying to get people's minds off themselves Mm -hmm. and onto Him before we can even start to bring worship and glory to Him. Everything, (laughs) all these things that are outside of me, who I am in you. They have to go. Go. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Anything that I didn't create in you, that I don't call normal, just stop calling it normal. It doesn't mean it will turn off automatically. I think that's kind of the roadblock we hit is, well, I still feel this way or I still struggle with this, but believe that it's not his destiny for you. So when we come into the presence of the king to bring him worship, to bring him glory, skip all that, lay it all aside. What does he say in Philippians? Whatever is true and noble and right and praiseworthy and trustworthy and admirable and excellent, set your mind on these things. Okay, so reeling it in. So we're talking about in spirit and in truth. Oh, I wanted to ask you on this note. I was reading in John 14. You love John 14. I do. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. So the Mm. Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth, and he said, you'll worship me in spirit and truth I just thought that was interesting that he calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth, the two combined. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate worship leader because the Holy Spirit is spirit and so understands spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit is also truth and leads us to truth. Dean. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> or mic throw. Mic throw. <laughs> wow. I feel sorry for this mic. <laughs> So coming into that kingdom, coming into that place, coming before the Father, bringing Him everything we are, Mm -hmm. bringing Him our lives as a constant minute-by-minute sacrifice of worship, everything that we do, every time we make a decision for righteousness, 
that's an offering of worship. Yeah. Every time we're kind to somebody. Yeah. Every time we lift somebody up, that's an offering of worship. Every time we help somebody, every time we give, every time we go up and beyond the mm-hmm. call of duty, it's yeah. an offering of worship. When you lay your life down for another. So there was a certain point in my son's life where I couldn't work anymore. I worked in a critical care field as a registered nurse. I was good at my job. Not going to lie. I just wonder if I would want to be your patient, though. <laughs> You'd be in good hands. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm also really good at keeping the cool, calm, collected face while panicking on the inside. Because there's the other kind of nurse that panics on the outside and the inside. The poor patient. Oh, my goodness. But I can't tell you the amount of times people who care about me and love me ask me, oh, what a sacrifice. Are you okay? You must miss it so much. But I just feel like it's this act of worship. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I'm taking care of him, and it seems like it's all about him. But in my heart, it's an act of worship to the father who is his father. So I can lay my life down and take care of one of his children. I took care of his children at the hospital. Right now, I need to take care of this one and not get paid for it, not get recognized, not have the awareness drawn to it. All alone, behind the scenes, but it's an act of worship. To me, it wasn't this huge sacrifice. As you're talking, something is coming to my mind. What if all God's children in a city or a region, offered everything in their lives up to him every minute of their day. With worship being as powerful as it is in the heavenly realms, with the way that it can clear an atmosphere, what would that look like over a city or a region? Transformative. (laughs) Hundreds or thousands of people (laughs) offering up this constant offering of worship. It's honestly, it's life-changing because nothing will phase you in that place. We recently went through a period of sifting in our world, Sift, sift, sift. I feel like during the pandemic, we had a bird's eye view of what the world looks like and how dark the world is Mm, when people are stopped from worshiping. We weren't allowed to gather anymore and we weren't allowed to worship anymore. And all of those little churches, all of those people, all those gatherings worshiping, it still returns glory to God. Now imagine all these people all day, all the time. Oh, Dean, the power. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, yeah. When that stopped, just the weekly mornings, that was... It was actually a cloud that you could feel of oppression. I'm convinced it was because the worship stopped. And so if that little amount of worship can hold that back, imagine this life. Lifestyle. Romans 12. Romans 12 lifestyle. Let's call it that. (laughs) The Romans 12 lifestyle. I think we've just come up with something. (laughs) Yeah, that deserves an applause. Yeah. Offering our worship to him 24 yeah. hours a day, a whole company of people. So if we get anything out of this world lockdowns is look at what happened when we stopped. Okay. So what if we begin and not just go back to the way we did worship, but fully worshiped? Yeah. Oh, that's power. I don't think you'd have to even be spending so much time trimming the blueberries at that point. I feel like even the plants would respond. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the earth is looking for the revealing of the sons and daughters to become who we are, who we're meant to be. Yeah, there's this great cloud of witnesses yearning to see this. They're just peeking over the edges of the balcony Mm -hmm. up there watching. So I have one question for you about worshiping in spirit and in truth. I don't know how to word this, but like just take it to the next level. If we were to go up, what would that look like? I know you have a lot of experience. Your worship has been a big part of your life. It rescued you a certain period in your life, I know, in the past. How has your relationship with him and worship changed? Have there been different levels, if you'd want to share that? Right. 
But worship has really changed for me over the years. I think when I was younger, I didn't really even understand what worship was. But that's not to say that I wasn't worshiping. I just didn't know what I was doing. I think with this subject, the Father has led me very much by experience. He'll lead me into some places in worship, and then He would bring me to the Word and show me what it was that I was doing. So He led me that way rather than me studying this subject oh, wow, yeah. and then experiencing it. Mm. I experienced it first. I experienced mm. things and I would have questions. I wouldn't know what had happened. And then he'd bring me to the Word and he yeah. would show me where it was. But I mean, my life has been a series of ups and downs as I have worked in this field. There was a period of time that I was very disillusioned with the whole church scene. Mm. And it was a period of almost 10 years. And the Father brought me back into this beautiful place with Him through worship. Mm. I remember going one night and looking at a sunset, and the Father just rocked my heart with worship. And mm. I started falling in love with Him all over again, and it brought me to this place where He healed a lot of things in my life. Mm. I was actually really sick. I was sick for a period of two years, so much so that I couldn't really even get out of bed. And the Father healed my body, He healed my heart, He healed my soul. And all through worship, I would take my guitar, I would go into a room, and I would worship for hours on end. And that's when I started to notice the transformation of a heart mm. when you put your eyes on Jesus. Wow. Once again, I didn't really even know it was happening. <laughs> yeah. I didn't go into it saying, okay. Here's the formula. Here's the formula. <laughs> we do this, and then we get this result. Step one, find a closet. That's mm. right. <laughs> Find the secret place. And when you go in your closet. Is it allowed to have a window? Does that right. be completely black? <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I was just desperate and I was desperately in love with Jesus. And I knew that I needed to spend time with him. Yeah. So I would go and I would worship. When I did that, a whole world started opening up to me. Mm. The whole seeing world started opening up to me. Things would happen. I would find myself in heavenly places. I wouldn't know how I got there. I wouldn't know where I was or other prophetic things would happen to me. I remember one time I was worshiping and I was holding my Bible. I saw this beautiful blue light go up from my Bible into the heavens. It was so clear and so vivid. It just went up. Things like that, just wow. little things, these little prophetic signs. Yeah. That's so profound in that you weren't even, there was no motive to it. You just loved him and you sought him. And then he started opening my eyes. Yeah. So worship opens the eyes of your heart wow. to the kingdom yeah. that's inside of you. Because if you're worshiping sincerely, you're going to be going there. So when you had kind of hit this slump for those few years, your eyes were on people around you in the church. You had said you kind of became disillusioned. For me, it came about as a result of hurt, but then I started really putting my eyes on the wrong thing. If you're in a healthy place in your life and if you have your eyes fixed on Him, when hurt comes, we just turn it over to Him and He heals our heart because He is a healer. But if you have your eyes focused on the wrong place and hurt comes, well, and I, I believe it can you, take you into darkness for years. I believe we can get to a place in our relationship with Him where we actually can't be hurt. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds extreme, but when we fully grasp the extremeness of what he's done for us, mm -hmm. you can't reject me because I'm so accepted in him that it doesn't even hold a match. It sounds extreme, but it's an extreme life with him. You can actually live your life and not ever be offended again. That's a really good way of saying it. And there's no shame in not being there yet, but don't write it off. 
because what I'm reading in this word, it blows all these excuses out of the water. There's no shame. It's just I refuse to normalize it anymore. I'm not going to call it normal. The transformation that happens in our heart is significant and it is very real. And that's what I discovered through worship. I discovered it by accident. Once again, it was something that the Holy Spirit led me into. And then I would look at my life and I would say, whoa, I used to have these really dark, murky thought patterns going on and they've just dropped off me. Where did they go? Like effortlessly. Effortless. (laughs) Effortless transformation is for real. Yeah. The one-step program. (laughs) It is for real. Yeah. If you put your eyes on him and if you worship, because worship is an exchange of glory. We exchange our glory and we give it to him. He in turn breathes back and gives us more glory. Mm -hmm. So it's this cycle. That's what worship is meant to do. It's all about the cycle. It's all about Mm -hmm. returning the glory to him and then he re-glorifies us, wow. and then we glorify him. But each time that the cycle happens, the glory builds stronger in us. It's that cycle. Love yeah. is that same cycle. Actually, I think all of the fruits of the Spirit are that way. Yeah. The more joy we have, the more joy he gives back to us. Mm. The more we're merciful, yeah. the more he is merciful. So mm-hmm. all of these things work in cycle. Yeah, well, it makes sense, I guess. He says, rejoice always in all things, give thanks. I'll say it again, rejoice. (laughs) He's Mm -hmm. like, I'm trying to make a point here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but the situation isn't really great. I don't know. Just rejoice. And then cycle. (laughs) Cycle, yeah. That's why worship is so powerful, because it brings us into the presence of God, and we're changed when we look with unveiled face at that glory. Then we're transformed from glory to glory. And that's what I experienced. Those were my first experiences with what I would really call understanding what worship was. And it's crazy because it's all in, like that's in here. It is. Written black and white. (laughs) And it still surprises us. Like, what? (laughs) It took me by surprise. I had never heard anybody teach on it or talk about it. But when I recognized it, I was like, I have to tell people about this. Mm. That's why that verse that you read, the Romans 12 lifestyle (laughs) that we've coined here. on our little pod show, (laughs) when we bring our life as a sacrifice, we understand what the will of God is and we're transformed. Be ye transformed. That whole section of verses is about transformation and it's in the context of worship. When we worship, our minds get renewed. We start thinking like he thinks. Mm -hmm. We start understanding what his will is over our lives. We start recognizing what we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be, who we are. Renewed in the spirit of our mind. Doesn't he say that in Ephesians? Mm -hmm. The spirit of our mind. So those were my first understandings of worship. And then from there on, my eyes got open to this whole new world. And then the spirit world started opening up to me. There's no mystery to that. It's just that I was worshiping in spirit and I started seeing in spirit. Yeah. Very (laughs) logical. Sounds pretty pretty logical. Pretty logical. And I think what we're going to do, Kratos, is we're going to... Make this into a two-parter. Yeah, this could go on for a while otherwise. (laughs) And I think in the second part, we're going to talk about that spirit world. Mm. And we're going to talk about going there. So we're going to leave you hanging here. (laughs) And we're just going to keep going. But you've got to come back to hear the rest. Is that right? That's what we're going to (laughs) do. That's what we're going to do. We are so going to do that (laughs) to our faithful listeners. It reminds me, is it in Ezekiel where he's talking about going in the water, ankle deep, knee deep? Like, does that apply here? 
Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east, and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my knees. Then he measured 1,000 and brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. And then he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim. Ezekiel 47. I haven't heard that in years. So we're going to do this in two parts? Yes. How deep do we want to go? Right now, we're only up to our knees. Yes. Next time, we're going all in. Going all in, not just up to the waist? We're going to heaven. We're going to read from the book of Enoch. Next time, you will not be feeling the ground. I can guarantee you. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week for part one. Of kingdom worship. Of kingdom worship. Hope you have an awesome week. See you next time.